look at a friend next to you and answer this question, who am I? Tell that friend, who am I? You're going to tell your friend who you are. Take a moment and say, who am I? Well, I am. We're going to show you a picture of something that some of you might remember, I don't think, about almost every product for sale anywhere in today's business comes to eventually bear the caption or catchphrase, new and improved. Over 70 years ago, the permanent wave style of curling was invented. For four decades, there was only one way you could get a perm. Do you have a picture of this crazy machine? That's it. That's the perm. That's how people, that's how ladies would try to make themselves new, have a new makeover, just like that. And then um, a stylist uh, decided to try to make this accessible at home by creating a home permanent solution. And it was marketed called Tony. Some of you might remember this. I saw these boxes in my mom's house. So this was the common way to get a perm. And then an, another uh, beauty product took that over, bought the label, and took it over. But from that point, the phrase new and improved became part of every standard advertising jargon. And while many institutions have experienced decline, such as banking, the auto industry, publishing, retail, manufacturing, and even the housing market, there's one sector that seems to continue to grow. It's the self-improvement industry because people want to try and make themselves look better, feel better, and be better. Americans spend over $11 billion annually on self-improvement. And what do they want? It's something that gives them hope. A hope for change, a hope for friends, hope that they're going to get that new job because they look better. Um, and it's really helping them answer the question that we just asked each other, who am I? Who am I? If you'll, if you'll put that up, it says, who am I is a question that tries to answer what your identity is. Then, it say, then we ask, well, where do I belong? That's our sense of security. And what are we supposed to do? That's our significance. Those are three questions, whether you realize you're asking yourself or not, this is how you find the place that you fit in. Who am I? Where do I belong? And what am I supposed to do? If I say I am a teacher, then I belong in the classroom. I'm supposed to be teaching students. If I say I'm an athlete, then I'm probably at the gym, fitting in with my group of gym people, which I don't do. I need to do that. And, uh, and my significance comes with how well I perform at that. So when you answered questions to each other, you put yourself in a place and a, a job that you were doing. So think about the answers you gave. Those titles gave you suggestions to things you do. But it does not say who you are. To the soul that has found salvation, you are no longer defined by that title of teacher, mother, dad, gymnast, preacher, career person. Your identity and your security and your significance have changed because of salvation. 
You have the key to what it means to be made new. But many of us don't realize it. We don't realize that we have taken on that made new experience. We're baptized. We're filled with his presence. But we don't walk in new life. In that, it's a personal struggle, but we have to learn to look at ourselves with God's goggles and see who we really are in Christ. When we can do that, we look at others the same way. And what became our salvation experience is projected through us to draw others to Christ. So, we'll go back to the beginning. Before the fall, Adam and Eve, they answered these three questions this way. Before the fall, the fall being when uh, sin first entered the world. I am God's creation. So that first question, that who am I? They could say, I'm God's creation. And where did they belong? Where did they belong in that time? Who can tell me? In the garden, close to God. They had fellowship with God every day. And what were they supposed to do? What was their job? Keep the garden and fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. That was their job. But they chose to listen to a different voice other than the Lord's, and it caused them to look at themselves through a different lens other than God's. The answer to these questions became skewed, and it warped all of humanity. Their choice to listen to a different perspective changed all of humanity. For the first time, Adam, after he sinned, had a new self-awareness, and it wasn't what he expected. See, he thought he was going to be like God. But what he discovered is that he was full of shame. He, he said, who am I? I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. And where do I belong? Where did he go the moment he realized he had failed? He hid behind a tree. And what was he doing there? Hiding. He was hiding from God. So the answers changed completely. All of a sudden, his relationship with God was no longer relational fellowship, but separated and forever changed. And I, I have to tell you, the answers Adam gave or could have given after he sinned sound like responses in our own lives. We've failed, we hide, we're ashamed. Some of us find that we've been hurt by saints, friends, family, and then we fail to forgive or to confess or to ask for forgiveness. We fail to love, we don't make peace, we become jealous, we don't grieve, we don't let go, and it's all because we don't understand who am I? We can't look at ourselves with God goggles. But thankfully, God made a way for us to see who we are and where we belong and what we're supposed to be doing. In 1 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. When we are in Christ, who, 
who we are changes. We are new. And really, it takes faith to understand that, that you are new in Christ. We're new and we're made new. Our sense of belonging and our reason for existing is made new. Everything changes. The old is gone. The new is here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 10, and 11 says that we were once sinners, but now we are washed sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord by the Spirit of God. When you embrace that verse, you begin to walk differently. When you see that as the perspective God has on you, that you were once a sinner, that now you're washed and you're sanctified and justified by his name, you don't belong to sin anymore. You've been freed from it, and you can depend on God for your sense of security. So the answers change again when you can look at yourself as God does who am I becomes I am a child of the king and I'm worthy to be called his Psalm 139 says you are created I'm sorry for you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Isaiah 61.10, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, bestowing gifts on his children, wrapping them in his love love putting his garments on them that's how he views you so who are you you are a child of the king you're worthy of his gifts that's amazing <clears throat> so the second question where do I belong I belong in the body of Christ and I am secure in Christ and I will tell you in my own personal experience, I've been a part of several church bodies, and I have had times where I don't feel like I belonged. And I think many of us can attest to that. You, please, on behalf of Grace Point, please know you belong here. We love you here. Our desire is not to chase anybody away. It is to love people, to guide them towards the cross, to guide them towards salvation, to guide them and, and help them grow in Christ as we're doing the same. We need each other. This is a family here, and we want to grow together. So, where do we belong? In the body of Christ, supporting each other, building one another up, helping each other feel secure in this church family and in Christ. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, no height or death or anything in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. Nothing can separate you from his love. And we can be secure in that relationship. The third question, what am I supposed to do? It's this easy. Love God. Love people. That's what you're supposed to do. Those aren't rules. That becomes natural when you can look at yourself with God goggles. 
Love God, love people. Fulfilling the answer to this question is the ultimate goal in your transformation journey with Christ. Romans 13.8 says, Owe no one anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. What are we supposed to do with our lives as Christians to fulfill the law? Love others. Love God, love others. When you find yourself loving rather than judging, serving rather than demanding service, giving rather than holding on, you're living with purpose. You can answer that last question when you're able to grasp those achievements of loving, serving, giving. This is the proof that you are made new. The proof is when you love others. So the answer to the question is, my purpose is to love others with a godly love and share the message of Christ. And I am competent to fulfill this purpose. This second half of this answer is where many of us stop because we don't think we can do it. But you were filled with the presence of God, and he gave you power to witness. You have a testimony and an experience that someone else doesn't have, and you can tell them about salvation. You can tell them about a new life, and you have been given the ability. You are competent to do it. He has equipped you with his power, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Everything. He's equipped us and made us competent, and he's given us purpose. Okay, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago so he's already planned this for you he's planned this path of salvation for you in this journey and this growth and this opportunity to draw others to him and to witness and to love and to serve he's already planned it for you he you are his masterpiece so as new creatures in christ looking at ourselves through god goggles put that god goggles picture up it's kind of silly but it's true That perspective right there, looking through those God goggles, we discover that we are worthy to be called the children of God. It's not because of anything we've done. It's because of his salvation. Because we can't do enough work to save ourselves. It's all through the cross. It's all through his forgiveness. It's all by the shedding of his blood. It's not us. We belong in this body And what we are to do is fulfill the law by loving God and loving others. And I want to do that. I want to remember who I am, where I belong, and what my purpose is. So if we'll take a moment. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. (laughs) I'm not a preacher. (laughs) But this is something that I've had to learn to speak to myself, that I am God's child. And I belong in his body. I belong in this church. 
And I, want, I pray that I can share that with you and you can share that with each other. So if we're going to take a moment here just to pray that this soaks in before uh, we sing a song and Sister Green comes up. Lord, I pray that you would touch this church body with your love. Help us, Lord, to grow in you, to grow in your word, to grow in your service, to take on the love that you have and share it with others. Lord, I am looking the enemy in the eye right now, and I am claiming victory over anything that is holding us back from doing your work. Anything that is keeping us from being effective in our families and in our community, I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength, give us power, give us competence, give us uh, the ability to do your work. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Somebody's around the aisles. I didn't even have a chance to preview that. That was good. That was word. Well, happy Mother's Day to the mothers that are here. And uh, this is when you know you know that you know. <laughs> Tuesday night at family prayer, I we were in the back. We were getting ready to leave, and I asked Sister Nada. I said, "So, do you have a topic? What?" you're going with and she goes yeah I think I'm going in with this I got goosebumps and I just started laughing and I said well this is what I have got into my heart and she goes oh well I've got goosebumps <laughs> so I don't have goggles but we have mirrors so everybody grab your mirror <clears throat> Abe Lincoln says, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my mom or to my mother. But there was a man who's very, very famous, and we all know him. I did not bring my white glove nor my moon shoes. <laughs> but he wrote a song about man in the mirror. And if you study that if you research what that song was about he was going through Michael Jackson was going through a time in his life where it was falling apart and he was trying to recover some of what he had lost I won't read the whole story the whole song but the course says I'm starting with the man in the mirror I'm asking him to change his ways and no message could have been any clearer if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. That really spoke to me. I will confess I'm very transparent. I heard it on the radio. I've been praying down the road and I heard it on the radio. I was like, ooh, that just spoke to me. I was like, I know, because I did not know what I was going to speak on. I was like, thank you, Lord. You work through even um, secular songs. <laughs> So, everybody get your mirror. Who you looking at? Who you looking at? What do you see? Do you see flaws? I do. Do you see wrinkles? Oh, heavens to Betsy, yes I do. 
At times I see my sparkling green eyes and other times I see very tired eyes. I see messy hair this morning. Oh my heavens, I was late getting here. My hair was a bird's nest deluxe. It was, would not be fixed, so I apologize. But it was a mess. But I saw all these, these details in the mirror when I was looking at it. We look in the mirror, we can see our mom, your dad. If you've been married long enough, you can see your spouse. <laughs> they say you start looking like when you've been married a long time. You have a lot of the same actions. You see your negatives. Sometimes we have some vanity and we try to see some positive. But there was a um, WWJD a long time ago. Everybody had that going around. What would Jesus do? I want to say what? WDJS. What does Jesus see? Look in the mirror. Do you see Jesus? You see Jesus? My mirror and my camera has two different ideas of what I look like. My mirror says, oh, you look good today, and my camera says, uh, no. My Instagram filter says, no worry, girl, I gotcha. <laughs> but when God looks at you and me, he sees things differently. We see our weakness, and God sees our potential. We see what we are. God sees what we can be. We see our past, and God sees our future. There's something that's very powerful about the idea that God created us in his image, reflecting his very nature. Do we see it? We are image bearers of the King of Kings. What's amazing to me is that so many of us believe the word of God. We, re we read the scripture. We, yes, we agree. We want to apply it. But yet we still wake up every day and we struggle with the person that we see in the mirror. We are not seeing our true value or our identity I sat back there and I just started grinning because this is going to just mirror exactly what Sister Nadis spoke on. We're not seeing anything but something less than we are. And that's the reason for our struggles. Look in the mirror because that's your competition. When you look at yourself but take a look mentally or spiritually and somehow that we can view ourselves as God sees us we will then begin to treat ourselves differently we will begin to see ourselves as God's treasures that we will start to live differently our decisions will be different we will begin to love ourselves as well so we can love others. 
so that we can love God. If we can't love ourselves, it doesn't go very far. So I want you to think about this when you look in the mirror or God's goggles. <laughs> I want you to see yourself as a valuable treasure of God, reflecting in his image and not to see anything less than that. When I was a kid, and I'm sure every one of you have been in those fun houses, those fun mirrors. We were raised poor, preacher's kid, home mission kid. Dad didn't have much money, but he always tried to take us at least once a year to an amusement park or to carnival or something. And I loved going into the house of mirrors. I've always been small for my age, you know, very small. And I loved getting to go into those mirrors, and I would stand in front of one that made me really tall. <laughs> Always had short legs, and this one made me have tall legs. And then I would feel so good, and I'd go to the next one, and it would make me look stubbier than I was. And then I'd go to another one, and it'd make me white as a house. And then I'd go to another one, and it'd make me so small, skinny like a ruler. I loved the fun house of mirrors. It was just fun. It gave me a different perspective in a different way to see myself. It is. It is a fun house. But you know what? All those mirrors were imperfect. It was a way for us to see ourselves in different versions. We would laugh at ourselves because we knew none of it was true. But in today, men and women grow up all over the world with a distorted view of who they really are. They look in the mirror and they see an image that does not match the truth of who God is and what he created them to be. They look in the mirror and they of value and they see worthless. They look in the mirror of success and see failure. They look in the mirror of intelligence and see stupid. They look in the mirror of competence and see inadequate. They look into the mirror of acceptance and see rejection. They look in the mirror of confidence and see insecurity. They look in the mirror of comparison and see inferior. They look in the mirror of performance and see they're not good enough. They look into the mirror of sufficiency and see not good enough, period. Look in your mirror. The Good News Translation in James 1.23, if you listen to the word but not put it into practice, you are like people who look in the mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and go away and once forget what they look like. Narcissus, the Greek, I don't know if you've heard of this mythical character, he looked into the water and fell in love with his own reflection. He was unable to leave the beauty of his reflection. He lost the will to live and stared at himself until he died. My, he must have been a really, really good-looking man. <laughs> Sometimes, that's what vanity does to you. We all live in a house of mirrors, believing distorted interpretations of who we are. And you, the devil polishes that mirror daily. 
Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Ephesians 1 and 11, he says, You are a saint. In Ephesians 1, 11, you are chosen. In Colossians 3, 12, you are loved, dearly loved. In Romans 5.10, you are reconciled. And in Romans 8.1, you are free from condemnation. And in 1 Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ. My favorite, Philippians 4.13, you can do all things through Christ. He is our creator, and he created us in his image. If you need a reminder of who God, how God sees you, take some new habits. We're told it takes three weeks to start a habit or to break a habit. Number one, begin each new day to ask God to reveal how he sees in you so you can become better. I was repenting on my way to church today because, boy, howdy, I've been studying this, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I was really having a meltdown in the mirror today because I was not seeing you. I was seeing myself. And my my weakness and my flaws number two concentrate on the truth ask him for a scripture something positive that you can build on daily read the word pray the word number four reinforce the scriptures if you have to write them out and stick them on your mirror so that you can see that daily do it because it is imparting the word into your subconscious into your heart <clears throat> number five write your personal prayers out ladies I have journals out here if you journal journal if you don't put it use it as a prayer uh, put it for prayers and write your prayers out and then date them and then go back and when they're answered put the date when God answered them um, and then number six repeat the truth to yourself often and acknowledge your infinite worth why is this important? Because every person born has had identity issues from one time or another because we all struggle with our self-image. This thing can lie to us. We have to strive to, to be the one that God created. Strive to be the you that God created, not me. I do very well doing myself. I can't be Sister Nada. I can't be Sister Linda. I can't be Sister Beth. I can't be Valerie. I can't be anybody but me. And I have a hard time doing that. <laughs> but God created us, and we, we have times that we give over our control to the negative perspective of life but what we have to realize that we are anchored in the truth of our almighty God so we can see the vision that God has for us one of value one of purpose and one that has identity shaped by Christ and not by the world you know, there's magazines out there, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, our society is just, it slams us in our face every time we turn around. And we feel like we have to live up to all of that, that we're not good enough. Well, they airbrush everything out there pretty much. So it's all distorted, and that's what we have to realize. If we're anchored in Christ, that is important. That's, that's what our foundation is.
Matthew 6.22 says, Our eyes are the windows of, into our soul. And God is not talking about our physical eyes. He's talking about a spiritual insight. Paul prays this prayer in Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. The song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, that's where that song come from. We will be singing it at the end because I want to open my eyes not to what I see right here, but to what God sees in me. We're mirrors of our life. We're mirrors of our parents. We're mirrors of our spouse. Our children are mirrors of us. We're mirrors of our society, but we've got to stand out. We've got to stand out. We've, we've got to allow God's mirror to define us and not ourselves. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How much do you think you're worth? Not your network. Our self-worth. Our values have nothing to do with if you're rich or if you're poor or if you're middle class or any of that. It's not tied to, together. If it was, we would lose it all. But what creates value? What makes something valuable? There's two things. Number one, who owns it? The owner creates value. If someone famous owns something, it could be very common. But just because their name and they're very famous, that item is valuable. It becomes priceless. There's people that have paid hundreds and thousands of dollars, millions of dollars for something that I would not even worry about at a garage sale. But what's more valuable, your tennis shoes or Michael Jordan's? Your car or Jay Leno's? That's how we put value on things, because of who, who owned it. After the Gulf War, there was some journalists that was trying to smuggle out some of Saddam Hussein's artwork from a couple of his palaces. Some of it was very hideous. One was Elvis on a velvet background, dogs playing poker. And I'm sorry if you have any of that in your house. I apologize, but it really was ugly. But because it was Saddam Hussein's, those journalists thought that that artwork was priceless. In Mexico, we could buy it. We could barter down there and, you know, pick it up for five bucks, ten bucks. But because it was Saddam Hussein's and it was in his palace, it was considered priceless. And several years ago, there was a famous Kuwaiti oil sheik whose daughter was kidnapped. He put an announcement over the internet that he would pay any price for his daughter. Well, guess what? You are sons and daughters of a king. Amen. You are a child of God, and you know what? He paid with his life. He gave his life. He went to the cross so that we could be saved. God sees you in his mirror as acceptable, as valuable, as lovable, forgivable, and capable. Our identity does not only consist of who God created us to be, but also the potential of who God intended us to be as he has placed a 
calling on each of our lives. You cannot lose your identity in God, but you can become more or less aware of it. Your actions will not take away the worth that God's placed in you. They can only cause you to take your eyes off the truth and focus on your own shortcomings and your own flaws so that you are aware less of God. They say 10% of people will struggle with some form of clinical depression in their lifetime. It could be biological or it could be situational. And often it could be the result of both. However, one of the leading causes of depression is setting our standards so high that we can't live up to it. Because in our minds, we have to be perfect. I'm always, if you take a picture of me, I want to see the picture because I want to make sure I look good, right? That's just kind of like my makeup. It's like, hold, hold on a minute. I, my eyes aren't open all the way, or I don't like that smile, or I'm not standing right. Take it again. My sister and I with my mom yesterday did that over, <laughs> over and over, and my sister was like, I'm done. And it wasn't me doing it. It was her doing it that time. <laughs> but the thing is, is that this message can be played over and over and over into our minds that we have to be perfect. We have to alter our inner self-portrait to gain a healthy identity. We must align our view of ourselves, of God's view of us and not societies. Life is like a mirror. Smile at it and it smiles back. Mirrors don't lie, but lucky for us, they don't laugh. <laughs> you know, they, you have an awkward moment sometimes when you get home and you catch yourself in the mirror and you think, oh, my word, did I look like this all day long? The other day I had to run into Target, and it had been a long day, very long day. I mean, it was, I was exhausted. I didn't want to go, but I had, I had to go get whatever it was. And I was checking out in the self-out checkout place, scanning myself because I didn't want to wait in the lines. And I looked up as I put my debit card in, and there's the camera. They set, stand there, you know, right in front of you. And I looked at myself, and I went, oh, my word. My eyes are so, they're so tired. I look so haggard. Oh, I look old. I came out in public looking like this. This is horrible. And I'm looking at myself closer into the mirror. And then it dawned on me, somebody's looking at you in a room. <laughs> so I just winked, smiled, got my debit card, my receipt, and walked out thinking, oh, I'll just give somebody a laugh for the day. You know, sometimes you just have to laugh at yourself. Pearl Bailey says, we look into mirrors, but we only see the effect of our lives and not the effect on others. I want you to keep your mirrors. Remember, when you take a look at yourself, look and see what God sees. Value, potential, acceptance, sufficiency, strength, beauty. Michael Jackson had the words right. He just couldn't live with it. Starting with the man or the woman in the mirror, I'm asking him or her to change their ways. No message could have been any clearer. 
If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. The way we make a change is to see Jesus. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. You know the song. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, may God change our perspective. I would put that team up against anybody out there. Praise God. Whatever women's conference it is, Lord, they missed it. It hurts to admit it. Praise God. You going to take that with you? Don't just chew on it a week. Keep it with you. Praise God. We all needed that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Praise God. Let's raise our hands right now and say, God, apply this word to my life, Lord. Change me. Hallelujah. Make me new. Help me to see myself like you're seeing me. Oh, thank you, God. Let this word not be stolen, not be taken, not be snatched away, but planted in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, praise God. Praise God. Yeah, I'd a whole lot rather to listen to both of these ladies than Paula White or Joyce Myers or any of those... Praise God for apostolic women of God that heard from the Lord. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Woo! That, that couldn't have been planned that well. Uh, didn't even know what each other was talking about uh, to the extent that we heard it today. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody need something special from the Lord today? Anybody need special prayer today? Anybody through this word says, you know what, I just I just need a, a little shakeup in my life to really get things back to where they need to be. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Anybody wants special prayer, we want you to come forward and praise God. We don't like to leave without offering that. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. A couple of you brothers just stand by Brother Philip there and just pray the Lord would strengthen him in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there someone here that maybe you just feel like you want the person next to you just agree with you about something. Just just tell them, agree with me about this right now. I, I really need 
the Lord to intercede on behalf of whatever's going on right now. Praise God. Sister Nada said it so well. We're family here. We 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 want to we want to everybody to feel that you can reach out to anyone here and say, you know, I'm struggling. I need help. I need I need someone to stand with me, stand in the gap, agree with me, and stand on the Word of God, and have faith with me, and believe God, whether it's for my kids, or whether it's for something I'm going through at work, or whether it's something I may be going through even in my marriage without getting into it. I I just need you to agree that God would work with me and touch the situation that I'm dealing with right now. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Raise your hands together one more time. Just thank the Lord for his word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bless your people this week as we leave from this place, dear God. Hallelujah. Minister, continue to minister, Lord, to every one of us as we look in the mirror, Lord, each and every day. Lord God, may we see the things that you want to do in our life and not the things that are trying to crowd us and the things that are trying to put us down and the things that are trying to distract us, Lord God. But let us see ourselves in your image, Lord, not in our own image. Let us see ourselves as you see us, O God. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing that song one more time. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see.